We have Dr. Carlos Del Rio, coronavirus expert. What's his official? It's like infectious disease. Yeah, he's, he's, disease. A, he's the lead professor of infectious diseases at Emory University. He is our Dr. Fauci. Right. That's right. And uh, Dr. Del Rio joining us on the phone right now. Drex did say that he likes your accent better than Dr. Fauci's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's that Brooklyn accent of Dr. Fauci, right? Yeah. Uh, and is there any animosity? Because you guys are both doctors. You guys are both high up in your profession. Um, you know, are you kind of looking at him going like, I could be doing this better? No, no, no way. No way. I, I, I know Dr. Fauci very well. We're very good friends. And, and no way. I mean, I think I think the word of him and, you know, he and I talk a lot and correspond a lot. He's just a, he's, he's an incredible person. He is somebody who, who really uh, just, uh, you know, all I can tell you, you know, I have a lot of admiration for him for what he's for what he's been able to do and accomplish over his the years that he's been. Quite frankly, you know, he's got more experience than anybody I know. Dude, the, you got to understand, Drex. These guys are saving lives. They're doing research. There's no like. Uh you know, there's no rivalries no. in medicine. See, I think that the, I think you guys go to these conferences and there's oh. some free drinks. The drug reps are there. You get a little loose lips and you're like, hey, Fauci. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> these are not radio DJs. These are doctors. <laughs> All right. Um, you have an actual legitimate question. Uh, uh, legitimate question is, uh, uh, speaking of Dr. Fauci, I think it was yesterday, uh, he had said he feels confident the way things are going that school could open up in the fall. Where, why do you think he's saying something like that, and is there any truth to it? I think he, I think he's right. I think that, that we will likely be able to do that. I think that, uh, that the data, you know, suggests that we're making the right progress and the right moves and that things are going... You know, I mean that things are going as predicted, and I think the the decisions taken, and you know, the social distancing and the pain is actually going to pay off. So, so I think he's right. I think that 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 you know, provided that we continue doing the right thing and we don't mess it up, we'll be we'll be. I mean, there's going to be an end to this, and the end will depend on on how we all do the right things. But I think there's going to be an end to this, and and I think we need to be, you know, we need to be hopeful. We need to we need to look at the at the exit strategy. Follow-up question. Tommy Lee says Motley Crue's summer tour will start on time. Their first show, June 18th. Uh, Dr. Del Rio, will Motley Crue's summer tour start on time? <laughs> uh, that's a, I don't know about, about that one. I think, you know, June, July is, are going to be the critical times. And the question is, what can you do and, and what kind of events can you have? And how do you go back to, to opening the country, as the president calls it? How do you go back to the normal state? And it's probably not going to be like a light switch. You're not going to say one day, okay, we're ready to open up. It's going to be more a, a stage thing. And I think, you know, big events, uh, large events, 100,000 people events are probably not going to be how we open the country. It's probably not going to be how we do the first, you know, the very first event. That's probably not a, a smart way to do it. Dr. Del Rio, um, we all know that if you see it online, it must be true, right? So, Absolutely. <laughs> I recently uh, saw a Facebook video from a doctor in St. Louis who was recommending people take three ounces of tonic water and 30 milli uh, 50 milligrams of zinc a day to kind of help prevent this thing a little bit because the tonic water has quinine in it. Is that... I you know, I, I like my uh, tonic water with gin, right? I mean, it's really even better. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure any of those things work, but I think, you know, people are always looking for the magic bullet mm -hmm. and what to do to people talk about boosting their immune system and killing this virus. 
I think what we know works is, is social distancing. What we know works is is doing the things that we're telling people in public health to do. And, you know, sure, as I said, have your gin and tonic or have your 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 gin and your tonic without gin, but do it on, on, on your porch by yourself or do it with somebody else through, uh, you know, with a reasonable distancing distance. So you're actually practicing social social distancing and you will prevent this virus. Uh, Dr. Del Rio, um, can you clear up, is the CDC saying that uh, people who are uh, asymptomatic, they, c- they can go back to work? Is that, um, is that, is that something that's going to be in the pipeline soon? People who are asymptomatic, you mean once you recovered, once you, if you had them, because you initially have to have symptoms and have to be, so if somebody's infected and develops symptoms, the recommendation that CDC has is that either three days after symptoms results or one week after they tested positive, whichever is longer, they're good to go. I think I saw that it was if somebody was living in a house who was diagnosed COVID, um, that that they could return to work if they were wearing the proper like masks or gloves. I mean, it, the, the specific term was they're going to try and get people back to work who are part of the critical infrastructure who are also asymptomatic. You know, probably okay. But again, I, I, I say that even without wearing a mask, the recommendation is that, you know, after three days, after your symptoms resolve, or one week after you tested positive, you're good to go. You're not infectious. You can go back to work. You can go back to living with people. If you're wearing a mask on top of that, you're even better, right? So, yes, we, 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 not everybody needs to stay in isolation for, you know, a month. Once you've been diagnosed positive, the great majority of people, the challenge that we have and the people, what they need to understand is that if somebody has mild disease, and is not diagnosed, and that person is not put in isolation, then that person can be in the household and infect other members of the household. Mm-hmm. And when infected other members of the household can infect people over the age of 65 or who have chronic diseases like diabetes and hypertension, and then that family member ends up in the hospital and in the ICU, or, you know, sometimes even dead. And we are like, how did that person get it? Well, they got it because of that family member that had very low symptoms. So we need to be keenly aware at home. I tell people, even when you're at home, if you're going out, if you're, you know, the chance of getting infected, practice social distancing at home because the reality is you can have mild disease, you can have asymptomatic disease, and you can still transmit within your household. And we know from China, we know from Italy that that household transmission is a huge problem. In fact, I haven't seen anything that part of the reason we have such a huge outbreak in New York is because there's so many people living in so close quarters. Right. Um, we have talked about before the fact that there's probably a good chance that you wouldn't be reinfected if you've already gotten over coronavirus, right? So there's there's reports, a few reports, primarily from Japan and, and some from China, suggesting that some people have gotten reinfected. But those are, I would say, rare. Those are the exceptions rather than the rules. I say that in general, People that have gotten this disease and recovered are immune. In other words, they have almost like a natural vaccination against it. The great majority of them. Could uh, they still carry it and give it to somebody? Like, could they still transmit it after that point? No. Once they recover fully, they don't. You, you either you, you're never a, you're not a chronic carrier of the disease. You you, okay. but but you can still transmit in what I call the post symptomatic phase. You know, remember we talked about. You can you can start you start transmitting about two days before you develop symptoms, and that CDC has called the pre-symptomatic phase, and I like that term. And then you develop symptoms, and you're clearly transmitting. 
And then once your symptoms resolve, for several days after your symptom resolve, you can still transmit, and that's called the post-symptomatic phase. But as I said before, after three to seven days, you're no longer infectious. You're no longer transmitting the disease. Your body has cleared the virus, and viruses get clear from your, from your body, and that's it. Are you confident that they're going to come up with a cure for this, like a, so, or at least like, you know, be part of your flu shot or whatever at some point? In the, like, can we like, hope that in a year we can get a shot and not get coronavirus? Uh, I would say yes. I think that I have more than hope. I have seen the science. Uh, my uh, colleagues here at Emory University are actually involved in one of the studies that looking at one of the vaccines that are being tested, an mRNA vaccine made by a company named Moderna, that a clinical trial is happening right now. We're also developing antivirals, medications, both injectable and by mouth. So I think science is going to give us the answer. Science is going to give us treatments. Science is going to give us prevention. And again, I emphasize that this is why I tell people you have to support research because research actually saves lives. Research actually changes the course of epidemics. The difference between 1918 and now is that we have science, and science actually is going to change dramatically how many people die, how many people get sick, and what do we do going forward. Well, so talking about uh, like a treatment or therapies for this, this anti-malaria drug, it, it, why, why can't we get a clear answer on this? They're, they're saying it's not approved, but then there's like millions of these pills shipping around and people are taking it. When are we going to get some clearance, some guidance on that? There are several clinical trials that have already started or about to start looking at this and that's why we have to do the clinical trials the clinical research because clinical research is done in such a way that you get the answers and clinical research is done you know in such a way that you then can say okay this works or this doesn't work okay. and there's several ways to do clinical trials but the most sort of the, the time-tested approach is what we call a randomized controlled trial and a randomized controlled trial half the people get the drug half the people get a sugar pill or they may get something else, right? So some may get, let's say, the remdesivir, some may get the hydrochloroquine, and then, or some may get the hydrochloroquine, and some may get the hydrochloroquine with something else. So you try to see, and you don't know who's getting what. It's all blinded, so you, the, all, all the packages look the same, and then you look at the data, and then you look at the patients, and therefore you're not biased. And that is how we get answers in clinical re in research. We get answers by doing randomized clinical trials, and those are the ones that exactly are happening right now. The efforts that are going into this are phenomenal, right? I mean, all the doctors, all hands on deck, they don't do that with every disease. Well, you know, uh, we, we, we have done it. We did it uh, with HIV, and I would tell you, with HIV, with AIDS, I, I cut my teeth. I grew up doing, I still do, HIV research. And to me, it's just amazing when I was starting to do infectious disease and the you know, early 80s, middle 80s, to see everybody in their 20s getting this and dying, right? And now you get HIV and you take medications and you are good to go. You you live a normal life. That is because of clinical research and the millions of dollars that have been put into HIV research. But that has not only benefited HIV. Because of HIV research and research around viruses, uh, drugs that are called the, the uh, PD-1 drugs, the PD-1 inhibitor drugs have been developed. And those have shown to be incredible drugs for the treatment of cancer. So understanding the immune system through research has really changed dramatically how we treat cancer. Uh, Dr. Del Rio, there was a new, I heard it on the news, so I don't know what the numbers are, but I heard they had dropped the number of projected uh, deaths, maybe even cases for the United States. Have you heard anything the projection? about projection? Yeah, the projection. Yeah. They dropped the number. Obviously, well, you know, that's great news. Yeah, projections are, let's, uh, the way I think about it, let's say 
that was going to be a football game, right? Whichever teams you want. And then Vegas looks, the projection is, you know, that this team is going to win by 20 points. But then halfway through the game, because of you start seeing how defense and offense work, you say, yeah, actually the projections are different. You know, the difference, this team is not going to score so many points. So if you were able to make projections, if you were able to change your projections halfway through a game, uh, you would definitely be doing that. You will be changing your projections based on what you have seen happen. That's exactly what's happening. As this disease is evolving, as we're seeing the impact of social distancing and many other things, the projections are changing. So I'm really happy that they're coming down because coming down means that the things we're doing is actually working. I would be very concerned the projections were going in the opposite direction. We're actually instead of 80,000 deaths, now they're projecting 200,000 deaths right. because we would say, oh my God, despite everything we're doing, it's actually going in the wrong direction. So projections that are coming down make me happy. In other words, I want to over, I want to, I want to beat the projections. You want to beat the odds. And that's what we're doing with, with the interventions we're doing. Social distancing, staying at home, it's actually making a difference. Dr. Del Rio, if, let's say this is a football game. Are we in halftime? Are we in the first quarter? Are we in the third quarter of this thing? You know, I think, I think we're, we're, we're close to halftime. I think we are, you know, I, I would say that halftime, if everybody keeps on talking about when are we going to peak, I think peak is going to be halftime, right? Okay. And I tell people, oh, when people say, oh, we'll get to the peak, and that's it. No, you still have another half to go, right? You still need to get to the peak and come down. There's still a lot that could happen after the peak. But getting to the peak is going to be critical because that's going to be the, you know, the, the, the highest number at the point where the highest number of people are going to be coming to hospitals, to intensive care units that are going to need care. After that, if the numbers start coming down, that's great because, again, if we have a low number of people, we can handle that in healthcare. The problem is when you overwhelm the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So we're at the two-minute warning. This is basically oh, what he said. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. We need to we need to sit down with Coach Tony. You know, and you were talking about Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Dr. Fauci was in his high school. He was actually the point guard in his basketball team. Believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. And he was the captain of the basketball team. They call him. They call him Fauci. They so, should yeah, show just... these games on ESPN Classic right now. <laughs> we should, we really right? should. I know. If I had coronavirus right now and I wanted to try whatever was available, I went to go see my doctor. Like I've heard some people like, oh, I had the cocktail of uh, of the the malaria medication and the whatever. Like, how do you get that? Do you have to find a doctor who's willing to give it to you? or? Well, I mean, I think we all have protocols. We all have approaches, and there's clearly indications. The great majority of people, 90% of people that get this need nothing. They get better on their own. Right. And you don't want to give them something because something may be, wor- may be worse than nothing, right? So 90% of people get better on their own. But there is some people that are not getting better and that are progressing, and those are the people that you start thinking about, well, we're going to give them this medicine or that medicine or that medicine. And what the guidelines are are changing. The Department of Health and Human Services actually put a committee today that hopefully by tomorrow it's going to publish guidelines and recommendations. The Infectious Society of America is doing the same thing. And so we are looking for sort of protocols to treat these patients. And everybody's developing, you know, experts are getting together to come up with protocols. And I think, I think that's going to be guiding the way we think. So rather than going to somebody that, you know, is willing to give it to you, I, th- I would say let's go to somebody who has read the guidelines and is willing to follow the recommendations from those guidelines. Beautiful. Dr. Del Rio, thank you so much. A worth of information, as always. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, good to be with you. Have a, good, have a nice weekend.